Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 76, released on April 27th, 2011. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good pal, Scotty V. G'day, Scotty. Hey, what's happening, everybody? What's new in the world of Scotty V? Oh, not too much. We finally got some nice weather here in the east of uh, the United States. It's nice and warm. Lucky so, you. Uh, it's absolutely finally. teeming rain here in Sydney, Australia, as we record this. So uh, nasty weather here, but uh, I guess that's the way of the world. Uh, well, you start getting warmer, we start getting colder. Yeah, well, we had big thunderstorms last night, and we now have a tree laying across our yard. Oh, great. <laughs> So that's going to be staying there for a while. <laughs> Lovely. Well, um, let's get into our Superman discussion uh, topics. Uh, we've got uh, a few casting announcements since we recorded our last podcast. Uh, the official one was Michael Shannon cast as Zod for The Man of Steel. Kneel before Michael Shannon. What do you think of Michael Shannon? I'm actually impressed with him as an actor. Um, a lot of fans were going, "Oh, what Zod again? You know, what? Why do we need to, you know, go back to villains we've already seen?" But um, uh, Michael Shannon, I think, will give us a Zod that we haven't seen before. He's not going to be doing Terrence Stamp's Zod or, you know, Callum Blue's Zod. He's going to be doing his own thing, and it could be, uh, a, it could be like seeing a new character altogether. Yeah, I mean, I, I for in, along those lines, I definitely have high hopes for it. Uh, I have not seen Michael Shannon uh, in uh, any of the films or movies that he's listed for, but I did watch a couple of interviews with him. He seems kind of like a fun, goofy guy, uh, at least in uh, person and in interviews. So I'm not sure about his ability to play um, someone really evil, but from what I'm reading, he does just that in a lot of the movies that he's in. So that's really what I want to see, kind of a, a megalomaniac, uh, um, a very evil um, Zod, someone that you'd be afraid of, someone that's intimidating. But, uh, you know, hopefully someone that has good reasons for doing what he does. And uh, the Zod that we've most recently seen in some of the comics and things uh, is a guy who does what he does because he believes it's best for Krypton and for the Kryptonian people. And then he ends up going a little insane and a little evil, but it's not just, ha I'm Zod, I'm evil. Yeah. Which but... was kind of what it was like uh, in the older movies. Uh, even though everyone loves Terrence Stamp, we didn't really have any kind of a reason, a background, a motive. Uh, he just was a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And um, Michael Shannon, I've seen him only in... Uh, the film Revolutionary Road, where he played a semi-retarded, simple kind of guy who was quite nasty, and he's you know he was almost you know he, he didn't take a backward step in coming forward. He was really uh, said what was on his mind, said what he what he saw, and uh, you know kind of put a few people's no- noses out of joint, and um, was quite uh, he won the uh, best supporting actor for that uh, role. And um, was uh, yeah quite disturbing in that uh, in that role. So I'll be interested to see just how he does as Zod. Um, he's been in other, especially in a, a miniseries, a TV miniseries at the moment. I can't think of the name, but I've seen some of the commercials for that. And um, he seems to be uh, you know a real has a real menace about him, a real um, you know focus to his character. So it'll be interesting to see just what kind of Zod we do get from Michael Shannon. But uh, we've just found out as we were going to record this uh, episode that um, 
it hasn't actually been an official announcement for Warner Brothers, but Variety.com uh, reporting that uh, a German actress by the name of Antje Trauer has been cast as Fayora, uh, the Kryptonian villainess for uh, the Man of Steel film. You before Antje. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, she's. Uh, I've never heard of her. I, I looked up some of her roles on IMDb. Looks like the the most recent one is a film called Pandorum, and that was released uh, in the United States. I'm not sure if you got it there in Australia. I remember hearing about it. I never did see it, um, but uh, by her pictures, her headshot here, and some of the other shots they have, and we have a shot on the website. Check it out. Um, she looks uh, just as good as anyone. I I, I think. Yeah. Uh, she has the that uh, again a kind of a menacing look. She, uh, I haven't seen Pandorum. I don't know what she, what that film's about, and I don't know what kind of an actress she is. But um, it'll be interesting just to see how she does as Fayora. Now I must. Uh, you probably can hear some banging in the background. I've actually got some workers here uh, doing some sanding on uh, floorboards in my place. So uh, if there's a lot of noise in the background, uh, we do apologise. It, it couldn't uh, couldn't be helped. What? What what'd you say? What? I can't I can't there's some kind of banging going on. Yeah, so uh but uh, back to uh Auntie Trower. Um she has this, has that kind of a look from her from in some of the photos and it'll be interesting, you know, people saying, "Oh, they've just said they're saying Fayora, but you know, it's Ursa all over again." Yeah, well, you know, uh, here's the issue, and, and I, I, I try to address this in one of my latest great Scots uh, as part of the Speeding Bulletin. Uh, people are, are, are kind of upset that it looks like we're doing another Superman 2. You know, with Superman Returns, we had kind of a rehash of a lot of the plot points seen in Superman the movie. And now what do they, they, they appear to be doing? They appear to be setting up another rehash of sorts with Zod and, and a, a female Kryptonian villain. And next thing you know, we'll, we'll get an announcement that Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond is going to play <laughs> a, a, a villain who doesn't talk and is just kind of large and lumbering and... Uh, no, of course, that's that, that just came completely out of me. There is no rumor of the sort. but um, uh, So I understand where some of their concerns are, and I have some of the same concerns that we're going to see just another rehash. Um, but on the other hand, those movies are very 70s. They're, they're dated, and um, they kind of had a feel to them that it wasn't all that serious. It was a little jokey. It was a little, this is fun, this is light. This is a happy comic book movie. It's good times, you know. Um, and there isn't really – there were points where you felt threatened by Zod. And, and some of the things that were actually cut out of the actual theatrical release of the movie and don't seem to be available anywhere were actually more menacing. There was a – there was a, uh, a the kid in, a, in a Superman mm. 2 who speaks up to Zod in the middle of that little town. He, I'm told that I've never seen it. He gets on a horse yeah. and runs away, and Non throws the siren from the top of the uh, police car that he collected, throws it, and you see it fly a great distance in the kind of a poof of smoke as <laughs> yes. apparently the kid is destroyed. And uh, I think that was probably deemed too uh, much for a PG movie at that time and they were doing a Superman film and it's a family film and kids are going to be there. And yeah. I think we still have some of that too because this is kind of going to be an anybody can see it kind of superhero. But uh, I think maybe we're a little more advanced in what will allow people to see nowadays. And hopefully uh, we'll see a 
Feora who hates men and who is very, very nasty, not kind of silly nasty, not kind of seductively sexually nasty as we saw with Ursa before. Mm. Yeah, well, I remember that scene in Superman 2, the extended version of it. Uh, someone says to Ursa, oh, he was only a boy, and she says, and he'll never grow up to be a man with some <laughs> with real relish. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You don't see anything like that, really, in those movies. Uh, so I think that they probably felt like it didn't fit in with the rhythm of what they were already establishing, and it was kind of out of context for them to do something like that but uh, hopefully we'll see you know i'm not saying let's see a lot of little children blown up uh, in the movie uh, but hopefully we'll see some maniacal kind of evil just really uh, ruthlessness from yeah. from these kryptonian villains yeah it'll be interesting to you know really see them go up against superman and uh speaking of superman henry cavill uh won over a lot of people in his latest appearance at wondercon um, he uh, was there promoting his film Immortals, which will be out in November this year. And uh, the trailer for that film has just been released, by the way. So if uh, you want to see Henry Cavill in action, uh, check out the trailer for Immortals. It's up on the website on the Superman homepage as well. And uh, he just won over a lot of people with his charisma, with his uh, charm, and uh, just with his uh, approachability. He just seems like um, you know such a nice guy and has that... Uh, kind of, um, I guess, charming is really the only word I can I can think of. Uh, he's a really a very approachable kind of guy, and he just he's instantly likable. Uh, why is he so small? Oh, why does he have a British accent? Oh, oh. Um, and now we're gonna get more of that as we hear, you know, people watching the Immortals trailer. They're gonna say, "Look, look, he can't do an accent that's American. Look, look, he's small. Look, look." He has no time to get into shape for the movie. There's just no way this is going to work. Wow. Well, actually, we've just seen some – or I haven't posted them on the Superman homepage, but I've just – someone sent me a link uh, from um, – of, of Henry Cavill c- uh, coming to L.A. airport, and he's carrying his luggage, you know, over his shoulder, and uh, he's looking buff. He's he's bulked up quite considerably since what you've seen in Immortals. So already he's uh, he's looking the part from uh, from what I've seen of of the most recent photos of him in public. Of course, I mean these guys, at least men and women, are professional actors. They get into roles however they need to, and know as it's been suggested on the message boards that the only way he could possibly do it is by using chemicals or something illegal. Uh, uh, somebody posted that they were a trainer, and that's the only way to do it in time. Uh, look, uh, I am not a fan of Christian Bale. I'm not a fan of the new Batman movies, but months before he did Batman, he was playing the the mechanic or something like that. Uh, was super skinny, lost lots of weight, uh, and then to play Batman, he put on 70 or 80 pounds, and he was over 200 and 230, that kind of thing. That's what they do. It's it's not normally considered exceptionally healthy to go from yeah. an extremely low weight to an extremely high weight and then back down to a low weight and up and down. But if anybody, uh, Bale is an expert on that. He's done it in many different occasions. And uh, clearly it can be done. These people are hired by Hollywood professionals. They have all the trainers they need. They have all the dietitians they need. They have everybody waking them up at the time they need to be woken up, given the protein they need to be given. And then they go out and they do hours and hours of workouts. Then they have a little more food. Then they go back to working out again. That's his job until they start filming. And if he's an actor and he's being paid highly, as actors often are, 
that's what he's going to be expected to do, and I don't think he has a problem with it. Um, so that's what we just – I mean we know that it can be done. It's been done before. He'll spend eight hours a day working out and eating the right things. That's going to be his job for a few months until we start filming. That's the way it works. Exactly. And um, you know, like you said, uh, they're professionals. This is, this is their job. They've got seven days a week, 24 hours a day if need be to, to get into shape. And you know, uh, just like, as they did with Christopher Reeve, uh, who was a skinny uh, guy, they'll um, you know, have – trainers and what have you getting Henry Cavill in, in shape and he's already looking bigger than what Christopher Reeve looked at the time that he mm. played Superman so um, and I totally agree I think uh, he was great in that in the WonderCon footage and, and any a lot of the footage I've seen we've posted on the website he looks fun he seems very happy to have the role. You know, I'm tired of a lot of these. You hear a lot of these actors like, I don't want to wear a uniform. I don't want to fly. I don't want to be Spider-Man the rest of my life. And they back out of things or they or they uh, renege on their contracts because they want to get paid more money. And then when they do, they come back and do it again. This after they have agreed to be one of the greatest legends of, uh, of storytelling, which to me would be a great honor. And, and so far, it seems that both Michael Shannon and Henry Cavill are showing that they are very excited to be a part of this project. And for me, that is almost a prerequisite, more than he's a little small, or more than he's British, or more than why does he look like that. I think that, um, you know, uh, these guys seem to be very excited, and I, I think we need that. I think, and I think it's good, and I think it bodes well for the production. It's not like, well, I'm only doing this because I'm, you know, this or that. I'm not going to be Superman forever. I'm not, you know, and I like that. Yeah, and... Uh... The fact that he'd gone for the part a couple of years ago and missed out, and now that he feels that he's more mature and has more of uh, more experience under his belt as an actor, uh, you know, shows that uh, he's really serious about the role and very excited about it. Um, now, the other kind of rumor thing that's come out, um, Baseline Studio System, which is a, a database that has added quite a few secretive films in the past, uh, released uh, the following description for Man of Steel. Now it reads, a young reporter named Clark Kent roams the world covering various news stories. When he is compelled to use his secret powers to intervene in a crisis in West Africa, he returns to Smallville to learn more about his origins and the hero he was born to be. Now, again, this is not an official description. This is something that's come from a website that uh, claims is the a plot line for the film. Now, to me, that sounds a very, very, very similar to Mark Wade's Birthright comic book miniseries from a few years ago. Um, do you think this is a, um, a smokescreen, or do you think this is possibly what the film will be about in the early stages of the movie? Well, anything is possible, and it could certainly be one of those things that uh, George Lucas used to do when he was making the Star Wars sequels. He'd have a whole title and a whole thing set up to make it look like it was something completely different. Uh, but it also seems very possible that this could be what we're getting. I mean, we've already kind of been teased that it's not going to be a straight-up origin, but on the other hand, it's going to cover a lot of area from when he was young to when he becomes Superman. So I could certainly see them going in this direction. I know a lot of people uh, had problems with the Birthright series. A lot of people didn't like where it went. And DC themselves seemed to suddenly do a complete turnaround after they had initially introduced it as this is the new origin. This is what it is. From now on, this is going to be Superman. And then it came and went, and uh, it's really it hasn't really been covered since. 
but um, I, I like a lot of the elements from Birthright, mm. and I do like the traveling reporter Clark Kent uh, traveling the world, learning about the world, as opposed to, say, I don't know, spending 18 years standing in one spot in the Fortress of Solitude and learning about all of the however many collected universes that there supposedly are, galaxies, and then coming out as Superman 18 years later. Or 12 years, whatever it is, 12 yeah. of your Earth years will have passed. <laughs> so you, we didn't really go anywhere, but I stood here and you talked to me about galaxies for 12 years. That just seemed <laughs> a little ridiculous to me. It always did. So I definitely like he's learning about the world. He's, you know, I remember a scene in the Lois and Clark pilot uh, where he, where Clark and Lois are dancing, and Lois isn't dancing with him because she wants to. She's dancing with him because she's trying to get to Lex Luthor at this ball, and he, she says, "Oh, who taught you? I wouldn't have thought, you know, uh, I thought corn dancing would be, you know, more what you would be able to do." And he says, "Actually, I, I learned ballroom dancing from a Nigerian princess." And <laughs> And I could see that having happened because we didn't really see where he might have traveled in that show. And he would go about the world and he would learn a lot of things and read a lot of books and absorb a lot of information. Hmm. And uh, I think that's a good way to go. So if it is similar in that way to Birthright, I think that that's a good thing. And it's a part of Superman we have not seen. Like I have I have my family, uh, some radio shows that I listen to, people are saying, ah, another origin story? My gosh, you know, why are we – first of all. The movies are 30 years old. The only origin we've seen proper to the theater is the Donner origin. And uh, again, it's a little dated, a little bit cheesy, and a lot of new moviegoers, a lot of younger viewers haven't even seen those movies. And I know people who won't watch movies that are more than 8 or 10 years old, which means they're never going to watch those movies, which means for them – this is going to be what defines Superman on the screen. So whatever we can get that kind of fills in some holes, and I think seeing Clark Kent travel the world or at least being given the idea that that's what he's doing as he learns whatever he learns before he has to intervene in, in one of these global events, I think is a great way to show us that, okay, we have the Smallville TV show where he grows up and kind of goes to a trial. What happened you know, between that time or what happened that maybe we didn't delve into in some of these other renditions. Yeah. You know, I think it would be great. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, you know, while I enjoyed Birthright and had problems with certain things, you know, uh, Mark Wade making him for no reason at all a vegetarian, um, it just, yeah, yeah. yeah, just certain things that Mark Wade did were kind of a bit ham-fisted. Um, well, on the other hand, on the and I know we're not here to talk about birthright. On the other hand, it did kind of make sense to me. Uh, you're saying for no reason at all, but uh, Superman reveres all life, protects all life, wants to see people live and be able to go on with their lives as they were meant to. And they added a little vision that he could see, life vision or whatever, <laughs> soul vision. So that was that was a little crazy, but. Uh, but the idea being that it hurts him when someone is hurt. It hurts him to see someone dying. It hurts him to think that for his sole enjoyment only, uh, they're going to kill deer or cow or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but he did grow up in a, on a farm in Smallville where it would be part of everyday life that animals would be, you know, slaughtered, chickens. That's what they're bred for. That's what they're, you know, that... That division of that animal is made for that, and, and that's the way we've developed, at least in America and a lot of other countries. And he would understand that that's what it is. But I could also see the reasoning behind it. Sure, I, I could fair see enough. Mark sitting there saying, um, would this guy who reveres all life really want to eat? You know, And he could make that decision if he wanted to, even growing up on a farm. Uh, I don't know that it's necessary, but I do see the 
yeah, do see the, the under, yeah, I can see the, the the reasoning behind it. But uh, all right, well, the only other thing I wanted to touch on with movie discussion was the fact that this JLA movie that keeps uh, popping up. Uh, it's pretty much the saying a Justice League movie is going to happen, but it will not be connected with the Superman or Batman movies that have been done to date. And so Henry Cavill may not be the Superman we see in the Justice League film if indeed Superman is in that Justice League film. Well, I wouldn't have expected it necessarily anyway. Uh, if this movie ever gets made, which who knows if it ever yeah, will. true. I think the Avengers project coming up is very ambitious to begin with, and Marvel and the guys behind those movies have been doing a lot over the years to prepare for that. Uh, you know, each hero's being given their own movie, and they're putting them all together, and that might be the way to go. And, and, and now that DC's got the Green Lantern coming out, and Superman's going to come out, and we have a strong Batman franchise, I could see them going in that direction. And I have said for years, DC needs to follow Marvel's example. I hate to say it. But Marvel's got the movie thing down. They've done it now. They didn't used to. In the 80s, they had some real humdingers out there. But now, <laughs> they have it. So why keep trying to, you know, why do Superman Returns and then a few years later say, ah, that was no good. Let's do something else. And then uh, Batman's good. And then let's release Catwoman. And, then you know, calm down. We don't need any more Steel movies, uh, at least not with Shaq or the way they did that one. But... Um, you know, uh, try to follow their example. I'm not saying copy them. I'm not saying steal from them. But if you're going to do a JLA movie, uh, set up some stuff. And why not at least include those movies in what you're doing? Even if the even if the actors aren't going to be in them and you want it to be a standalone. I understand that too. Um, so maybe they're not going to follow the, the Marvel template exactly. But there's certainly nothing wrong with having some strong franchises going and then trying to combine them. I have people that say, I like the idea of a single hero in the world uh, doing what he does. Otherwise, you have 10 and 20 and 50 heroes running around. Why wouldn't they all be there anytime a major event happens? Mm -hmm. Why would any hero ever be allowed to die? Why would ever, you know, um, you know, uh, when when Robin dies in the in the comic, where is everyone? Where is Batman? Didn't get there on time. Okay, where was Superman? Where was Wonder Woman? Where were these people who can hear from space? Where, where are all these people? They're just going. Ah, I'm too busy. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that being a problem. But you know, everything's rumor at this point, and who knows if JLA will even happen? But um, you know, I'm excited about any superhero movie we can get, especially if it's done well. And being DC guys as we are. I think it's a great time to kind of be excited about the possible future. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not um, other characters do get solo films. Like, you know, we've got Green Lantern coming up and then there's Superman. And there's always been talk of Flash and Wonder Woman's getting her own TV series at the moment. So whether or not we'll see a film about Wonder Woman. <laughs> so uh yeah, we'll we'll wait and see what happens with Justice League uh as a movie, but um obviously before that we just uh focus on Superman. That's right. And speaking of Superman, Smallville has been coming uh closer and closer to its final episode and uh a couple of the most recent episodes we haven't yet discussed on this podcast. Uh Kent what did you uh, What did you make of that episode? Yeah, well, I'm always a fan of seeing Jonathan Kent come back. I always felt that he'd left the series too early. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it was good to see John Schneider back as Jonathan Kent, albeit the alternate world's Jonathan Kent. Um, 
it was a touching episode. It kind of didn't really drive the series too far forward, although it did have was quite a catalyst for Clark. You know, thinking about um, you know where his position is in the world and what he stands for, and you know what the world would be like if he hadn't um, you know if things didn't go the way that they did go in his world, you know, if Martha and Jonathan weren't the driving force behind bringing him up and giving him the, 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 the morals and the ethics that they brought him up with. And um, so in that regard, it was, you know, it was a touching scene between Clark and Jonathan, and it was nice to see Jonathan's character in that alternate reality um, redeem himself. Uh, but there, it, it kind of, I don't know, it felt a bit... And I hate to use the word, but it felt a bit like filler. Yeah, uh, Smallville kind of has um, a penchant for doing this. They've done it for 10 years now. <clears throat> and as we're coming down closer to the end, I've been saying for weeks, um, we really need to keep seeing the driving force behind where we're going to get to. And I, 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 I feel like we're going to be kind of getting to the end and, and going, what, 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 could we, well, why did it leap there from there? When we had all this time, we had 10 years to get there and now we just are. And, mm. uh, episodes like Kent for all the great moments that it had, aren't helping to do a lot to get us toward that. And another issue that I had with it, and I've had issues with episodes before Smallville does this kind of thing. For instance, years ago, Clark said he could never go away to college because he knows that they need him at the farm. First of all, Clark can get from point A to point B faster than anybody on the planet, so there's no excuse why he couldn't go to college in, uh, you know, Addis Ababa and still be <laughs> home to uh, help with the with the chores the next morning. He just leave class, run home, and be there. Uh, so people say, "Well, oh, what about the water?" Uh, we've seen that he can get across to the other side of the world. Uh, even though he doesn't fly. So they're, they're saying things like that just because they wanted to keep it in Smallville longer um, is just a way to not move the series forward. And mm. that's kind of what they've, they've kind of been stuck in a step forward, two steps back kind of thing, mm -hmm. getting even again and then going backward. And then, and, and there's no reason for that. And now um, they say, he, he, he says, no, don't pull me back from the alternate world. I was just about to hug him. I had him right in my arms. I was just about to do it. Um, we've seen now that by going to the fortress, he can send people to and fro the other universe. At least that's what they seem to imply. So if they could do that, why would he not go back there and try to help that Jonathan Kent? Why would he not go back there to see him again? Why would he just leave him there in that horrible place and say, well, there's nothing I can do? It's kind of like destroying the Legion ring when you knew that you had the ability to do things with it that you could never have done otherwise – it's like we don't really want this to be here even though we introduced it. So now we're just going to take it away. Yeah. And in this episode, they're not even covering it. He's not saying why. He's not saying, oh, suddenly the uh, trans-dimensional door that I used to send evil Clark back there and try to convince him to be a good guy doesn't work anymore. So, oh, well, I'm screwed. I can't go see Jonathan anymore. He's just saying, uh, well, I've kind of been hanging on to Jonathan and this farm and everything too long anyway, so let's move on. But 15 minutes earlier, he was crying and screaming that they ripped him out of his arms and they took him back too soon. So I Which think they need to make yeah. up their mind. And it's kind of a, it's a, you know, it's a contradiction. He either is upset by it or he's not. And yeah. I think that he would be. So that made sense. 
uh, but then just not doing anything about it after the fact when we know that he can apparently send people through whenever he wants to. And again, they set up the mirror boxes, destroyed the mirror boxes. This is terrible. You know, Hamilton has to rebuild the mirror box so he can get back. But then at the end, he just uses the fortress to send evil Clark back. So again, all these things that are duces machinas that that they're setting up to say, oh, how's he going to get out of this one? Suddenly, by the end of the episode, we find out that there really was no danger anyway because the fortress could have done it all along. Yeah, it's strange. That mirror box was, uh, you know, just one of those things that they they use, you know, as a uh, as a contraption to uh, to move the story forward. But um, it's really uh, an object of uh, no importance, uh, like you said, because the fortress did it all at the end. Yeah, right. <laughs> and speaking of filler and silliness. Uh, the next episode that we have to talk about, unfortunately, Steve, I know you don't want to. I don't want to either. But we've got to discuss Booster. You know, um, I actually preferred Booster over Kent. Um, I guess it was ridiculous in that, you know, Booster and Blue Beetle. I mean, it was written by Jeff Johns, who is, you know, who's a great writer, and he obviously loves these characters. And uh, Booster, you know, is uh, probably one of his favorites. But. Um, you know, the Booster Gold episode, uh, while it was ridiculous and silly and cheesy in a lot of ways, um, had more of a drive for the series as a whole than I think Kent did because it showed Clark, you know, doing his Clark Kent persona and, and getting the, the, you know, the whole um, shtick down about him being a bit bumbly and a bit mild-mannered and what have you and, and the reason, you know, trying to bring out the... Well, I hate to say it, but the blur side of him to be more public, and Booster was interesting in that way. But um, I can see why people didn't like it, and you're about to explain why you didn't like it. <laughs> uh, you can read me so well. <laughs> um, I actually liked several things about the show. Uh, what I did not like was, as you mentioned, the cheesiness, the silliness. And I also think that the mind of Jeff Johns is such that uh, this particular incarnation of Superman does not have the ability, effects-wise or budget-wise, to keep up. When Booster Gold comes walking through the bleachers at this whole uh, event that they're having, it just looked incredibly bad. It reminded me of, of, of the Power Rangers. It reminded me of silly... Uh, Japanese Godzilla movies where this thing comes lumbering and it can barely move and yet somehow it's able to outfox everybody and it's speedy although we just saw it moving and it's clearly not speedy it's very slow and you could kind of just you know you could saunter around to the other side of him and just kind of laugh at him right before he shot you and then saunter to the other side even if you didn't have superpowers uh, and it just looked really cheesy and the kid transforming into the blue beetle looked cheesy um, and I think when you don't have the effects to do something that ambitious, it just hurts it uh, in general. Uh, also, I think that suddenly, um, just like just like the Lois and Clark relationship suddenly came out of nowhere, and Lois even says it in this episode. Uh, admittedly, back then I really thought you were a total dork, you know, but uh, you're really hot, or whatever she said to him. Um, suddenly they're in love. Suddenly they're about to get married. Suddenly, any minute now, they're going to be walking down the aisle. Um, but the uh, the relationship really came out of nowhere, and um, now that she knows he's the blur, you could go, oh well, she loved the blur anyway. But 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 it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And now we have him suddenly out of the blue. The, the glasses were mentioned weeks and weeks and weeks ago, 
And now suddenly it's almost as if they've been a part of his everyday life for a while and we've seen him trying them out and he doesn't really like them. What ha- where did where where did that go? Where there's been 10 years now and we had time there could have been six episodes of him going, "Oh, I don't know about uh, I don't like these. Uh, let me throw these away." They introduced them, they took them away. He didn't have them. It's been six weeks. Now suddenly he's wearing them. He's bumbling. He's the Christopher Reeve thing, which I'm not all necessarily all that happy about anyway. But I get the idea. But but out of nowhere again, and and not really explained, and not really fleshed out in the way that a show that's been on for ten years uh, should have been fleshed out. Yeah, I I agree. The the glasses thing has always been uh, a problem for me, and the the secret identity thing, and um, you know the fact that all of a sudden he's stumbling and making a mess of things and tripping over things, it, you know, like that. People who have been working with him for the last three years now in the Daily Planet will say, "Well, what's wrong with this guy? Has he suddenly gone backwards? You know, he's, he's you know, he's uh, devolving." Um, Four weeks ago, a guy was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ken, I yeah. ran into you." <laughs> exactly. Uh, so clearly, everyone has this great respect for him, and now just because they think we need to get there within three episodes, even though they have a ten years to do it, suddenly everybody's cursing at him and glaring at him and telling him he's an idiot. Just because in in this incarnation of the show, they want him to be like the Richard Donner Clark Kent slash Superman. So we're just going to be there. Yeah. Okay? I don't see why they couldn't have gone the George Reeves way. I mean, Clark Kent in that series was never bumbling, stumbling, dorky, tripping over things. He just, you know, he was a go-getter, just like he was in the radio series of the 1940s. There's no reason for Clark to be... Uh, a stumbling fool. He can be mild mannered. He doesn't have to be, um, you know, aggressive or heroic. But he can. Uh, he, he doesn't have to be uh, the total opposite of Superman. He just has to be um, something that people don't necessarily see in Superman. No, and Smallville is trying to correct what people have been saying they've been doing wrong for years, and they should have started years ago. And that is, everybody and their mother has seen Clark, has seen him do great things knows that he's not some bumbling guy and knows that he doesn't wear glasses and and Lois is saying we've got to retroly approach this and say you know and and we've got to back you 10 years in the past and we've got to make you this bumbling guy and it 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 I understand people complaining and saying oh guy puts on a pair of glasses so nobody knows he's superman that's stupid okay but it's even worse to, to, to have everybody in the known universe know that he's a great guy, know that he has a lot of pride, know that he does his job really well, and then suddenly say, oh, wait, no, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's what, that's what they are doing. And it's, uh, it does seem to, to be a, a rush to do that uh, in the final few episodes. Now, upcoming, we have uh, – we've only got really three more weeks uh, of Smallville. We've got Dominion, which is the next new episode – as we're going to air with this, um, which features the Phantom Zone and General Zod. Now we're assuming it's a different Zod to the one that was sent away in Season 9. We're assuming this is the original Zod, not the clone, um, that is that was sent into the Phantom Zone by Jor-El. Um, is, I uh, hope that's what we're assuming. Yeah, well, I mean, he's the bearded Zod, so... Yeah. Um, I, I mean, otherwise... Where did you know the portal that Clark sent them to in season end of season nine? That wasn't a Phantom Zone portal, surely. 
And it wasn't supposed to be. I mean, at least what he said, what they were saying was, we're sending these Kryptonians to a new world where they yeah. can begin again and have a new life. Wouldn't that be kind of a, a jerk move if Clark was like, ha, 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 I sent you to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> ah. uh, you know, I watched that preview and I, I said to my wife, I said, uh, Zod wasn't sent to the Phantom Zone. What, what, what's going on here? So I hope you're right. I mean, it didn't occur to me. I just figured... Smallville was going to do one of their Smallville things that they do and just say, oh, well, Zod ended up here somehow, mm. uh, even though Clark sent them somewhere else. Um, but maybe the maybe the people that were on the other world somehow found access to the Phantom Zone and said he's just yeah. too bad a guy. We sent him there. Or maybe this is um, the grown-up Zod um, from Krypton that, that somehow ends up on the bad side of Jor-El, and Jor-El sends him there. Who knows? But um, we'll find you know, out. That's an interesting way to look at it. So, I mean, hopefully we don't get another 360 degree turn and, and um, uh, we, we suddenly see everything reversed that Smallville already set up because I think that they do that too much. They set up these things and then they say, uh, it didn't really happen that way. And it'll be interesting to see just why this story has to be told at this point in the series uh we are three eps three weeks away from the end of the series and we've got clark going to the phantom zone uh facing zod with uh with oliver queen by him by his side so it'll be interesting to see just why this story needed to be told at this point in time but uh that's dominion on uh friday what is it april Trying to think 29th, what the day. It be, right? Yeah, the 29th. So Friday, the 29th yeah. of April, and then the week after that, May 6th, we've got the episode titled "Prophecy," which sees Lois getting Clark's powers. Uh, 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 Not that we've seen Clark lose his powers and somebody else take them off him before. My brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, this could be used as a catalyst for them to see why you know what the other person's you know what what it's like to walk a a day in the other person's shoes and uh, get an appreciation for things but again it seems to be a bit late in the in the run of things to be doing an episode like this but uh, i guess we'll have to wait and see it's more as we said it almost seems like every episode we're discussing is more filler you know we got to bring zod back because the fans want to see zod you know uh, and we got to have another episode where Lois inexplicably gets powers again because we haven't seen that enough from Chloe, from Lana, from Lois over and over and over again. So let's do it one more time. And this time the spin will be that she's actually going to be Clark and she and Clark's going to be her. And uh, it's ridiculous. And, and it's, it's a present from General Zod. I'm sorry, it's a present from Jarrell. And it's the final episode <laughs> before the final episode. It just doesn't seem. Hey. Uh, people love it, and I enjoy parts of it, and I'm 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 happy that we've had ten years. Um, but I, I I just think that uh, they went the total wrong way. Almost four or five seasons now, but definitely in the final season and in the final episode before the final episode, where we're gonna see a silly episode with comedy music and woo, 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 you know, and goofy looks at each other and. You know, it, it reminds me of some of those shows where everyone would kind of look at the camera and laugh with us when something silly happened. And that's not what Smallville is supposed to be. Uh, that's why it took me, it kind of rocked me out of my seat when alternate Lionel looked at the screen and said, hey, kind of waiting to find out how it all turns out. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> that came out of nowhere. And, and, you know, the show's never done that kind of thing before. And I've always kind of been happy that it's really kind of taken itself seriously as, as, 
questionable as some of the plot lines have been, as out of character as some of the characters have been, at least they've always taken it seriously, uh, except with these episodes. And they have these episodes. I think they have a couple of writers that do these comedy episodes, uh, like the like the Hangover one. It had to be the same writers where the goofy things happen, where people act silly, and where we have moments that are supposed to be laughable but for fans like me are just kind of roll your eyes goofy and unnecessary especially as you say with one episode to go then on may 13th we have the dun, 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 two hour finale for the series um which will actually air before we record our next podcast so uh in our uh next edition of Radio KL, we'll be discussing Dominion, Prophecy, and the two-hour series finale of Smallville, um, and, you know, that'll be it. Um, I'll, I'm sure we'll be referring back to Smallville from time to time, but um, if you had to say one thing that you hoped for the finale, what do you, what, what would it be in, in, you know, so many words? What would be your hope for the finale? <sighs> Wow. Uh, dead air. Um, <laughs> it's so difficult knowing what's come before. Um, but I do tend to be long-winded, so I appreciate your, if you could say one word about the finale. Uh, I would hope that it would be legend, wait for it, dairy. Legendary. That's what I would hope for. Legendary, yeah. Well, uh, epic would also be uh, a, a, an overused word that I would probably throw out there. Um or, Probably, I would probably use the word super. Uh, super indeed. Well, here's the problem, and I gotta say this, and I know people are going, oh, this guy's got another problem. All we listen to are problems from this guy. The problem is, and I'm seeing all these promos where they're using the da, 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 and it's great, and it's epic music, as you say. It's legendary music. It stirs emotions in fans from for 30 years now who remember those movies. Uh, but here's the thing. In season three, they stopped using that music, and for seven years now, we've kind of been limping along, uh, not really being legendary, not really being this great hero, but kind of being a guy who doesn't really like his powers and doesn't really like his place in the world and doesn't really want to be a hero, but kind of does because it's the right thing to do. And now suddenly we're getting the shadow of Superman behind Tom Welling standing there with his hands in his pocket and we're getting the stirring music and we're being shown things that I wished for in season one, being shown things that this show had such potential to bring and now it looks as though especially as we've already discussed the three episodes left we're gonna get some of that but only in the two-hour finale and kind of out of nowhere as is a staple and an expertise of smallville yeah well it'll be interesting to see just whether it delivers on the promises that it's um it seems to be offering for us but um and i'll be interested to see just how many of the smallville fans who are so die hard that they will apologize for anything that happens and we'll back it up and we'll, you know, go to bat for it every time something happens that disappoints other people. They'll say, no, 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 you know, small, it's great. It's fantastic. I love this show. Um, you know, I want, I'm just I'm really we're interested to see whether or not the finale delivers for them the hopes that they were aiming for, you know, what they were hoping for because, or whether they'll say, you know, we didn't get to see Superman for 
X amount of time in the episode, but it was still fantastic and I still loved it and it was still everything I'd hoped for. You know, it would be interesting to see just how many fans really pipe up and say, you know what, it was fantastic or you know what, it kind of disappointed me. I'll be interested I'm never, I'm never on one side or the other most of the time. There have been a few episodes through the years where I've said, wow, that was really great. And then there have been a lot of stinkers. But a lot of them have parts in them that I really like, things that are cool, and then things that I really don't like. And I think that that's what's going to end up happening with the finale. And that's okay. And a lot of times I find myself wishing that I could be of the mindset of a lot of the fans who will defend it to the death and have loved every minute of it and have no problem with anything because then I feel like I really would have enjoyed these 10 years uh, watching this show a lot more. And I really would feel proud and I'd feel happy that kids now have watched this. Instead of feeling like kids have gotten a raw deal and have gotten a Superman who isn't Superman and and, and a guy who kills people by accident and kind of doesn't care and does things that Superman doesn't do but but kids now who don't know those movies, as we were saying before, think that he does. And 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 I and I guess the idea is, well, it's cooler because he's darker and he's meaner and he's nasty to people and he holds girls up by the throat. But okay, you know, I, I wish that I could enjoy it the way they do because then I wouldn't be so uh, pent up about it. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see just how it pans out, and uh, it may deliver everything we'd hoped for. And you know, let's just wait and see. But. Um... Around the same time or soon after the finale airs, uh, probably in September actually, we'll get to see Smallville, the complete series, DVD, box set, released um, with all, all ten seasons and a lot of extras uh, piled into uh, a one box set of, of DVDs. Yeah, uh, I'm su- kind of surprised by it, but I guess that's what they do nowadays. But so. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They stuff in all these special extras that weren't in the original season releases. And uh, we'll wait and see what the uh, complete series uh, delivers. There's no talk of a Blu-ray release, so a lot of people are disappointed about that. But the show is not necessarily filmed uh, in that high definition uh, for Blu-ray. So we'll wait and see um, just how many people purchase the complete series DVD box set or whether there's fans who are just happy with their uh, season uh, releases. So uh, the complete series DVD box set out in probably September, October, so we'll wait for that. Now, the other Speaking TV... Of Blu-ray. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go Just for Yeah, go. I don't so. know how your channel, uh, your WB, your CW is there in Australia, um, but it says HD, and, 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 and my network here is not HD. It's mm. all grainy. It's kind of hard to look at. It's dark. You can't really see it. I watched the entirety of Season 9 on Blu-ray, and it was beautiful. Okay. It was smooth. It was nice to look at. And now I got to watch these on television, and they're bad. <laughs> they're just bad. They're bad to see. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say uh, the only other TV news that we wanted to talk about was the uh, Young Justice. One. I know you're a big fan of the animated series. We've I am. got uh, new episodes actually coming uh, Friday, June third. Uh, I think the, the title of that episode is Targets. Now, throughout May, we'll have repeat episodes again. But um, we're always wondering just when we're going to get new episodes of The Young Justice. We've only had uh, half a dozen or so uh, of the first season uh, air so far. Uh, but we now know that Cartoon Network will be airing a new episode of Young Justice on Friday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. Beautiful. And there was much rejoicing. Young Justice returns. I love it. Excellent. Now, um, let's talk comic books. Um, I have to admit that I haven't run to the store in the last 
two, maybe three weeks to pick up my comics um, with Easter and everything. It was just kind of uh, threw my plans out the window. But um, DC Comics have announced a retroactive series that will see um, one-shots, I guess. Or maybe I'm not even sure if they're one-shots, but we'll see comic books throw back to the 70s, 80s and 90s um, and the way that the characters appeared uh, in those eras. Yeah. um, You know, uh, I guess anything that they can do that that helps to generate interest in either readers from years ago or new readers is, is a good thing. Um, it can also be confusing when you have uh, one series where Batman's a really dark, kind of nasty guy, and then another series where he's in blue and gray and jumping around with a half-naked Robin being goofy. <laughs> Which, you know, in the 80s, that's what Batman was. So, uh, you know, on the other hand, maybe it's not a great idea, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, it will these retroactive titles, which are one-shots, will reunite classic writers and artists with characters um, from those eras uh, and the way they appeared in those eras. We've got there's a Batman, a Superman, a Wonder Woman, a Green Lantern, the Flash, and a Justice League of America uh, interpretations um, from those eras. So we'll wait and see um, just what those uh, retroactive Superman comics and the Justice League of America, which I'm sure Superman will appear in, uh, will be like. Uh, We've got Martin Pascoe writing the 1970s Superman book, Marv Wolfman, Marv Wolfman, the 1980s version, and Louise Simonson will be writing the 1990s story. So uh, we'll look for those titles uh, in the coming months. Uh, I think it's. Now, was that? Do you know? Do we? Was that going to be a, a kind of an ongoing thing where the, maybe the 70s comes out this month and it's all of the heroes like uh, the first week Superman, second week Wonder Woman, and it's all 70s, and then the next month is 80s and then 90s and then we go back to 70s or is it a, just a one-time thing are they all going to be out at once or i mean yeah we... we'll be out throughout july and august i'm not sure exactly what the schedule will be like or what how uh, it will run whether or not they'll go 70s 80s 90s um, but um, we'll uh, look for those solicitations um, and um, and bring you more information on the website uh, as we uh, hear more about it and as july and august get closer Excellent. Now, uh, the Reign of Doomsday story is uh, running along nicely within the Superman books and within other books as well. Um, It uh, appeared in the Superman Batman annual um, and um, in the Superboy comic book. And um, it's... uh, It's interesting. I'm just trying to still be at a loss at what Doomsday's uh, motives are. Yeah, I, uh, I... I actually was so disappointed by the first two issues of the Doomsday thing that I haven't even read the Justice League one. Um, also a little sketchy as to the Eradicator and as to why Supergirl is dressed in black in that elf, in that episode, but well, yeah. not in her own book or where that came from. Um, so, And I read Supergirl every month, and she's uh, learning and, and acting like a hero, and then suddenly she's dressed in the dark side black suit again, so I... I'm I'm a little confused. Yeah, well, that came really from know. the Justice League uh, story, the Justice League of America, where she's an, a regular character in that book. And um, during uh, a recent storyline, we kind of don't know why, but she kind of reverted to a black, a darker version of herself while they were trapped within this uh, green dome in the Justice League uh, of America book and was siding off with, the, with Ultraman 
And um, and so, yeah, but then out of this book, she decided to come through from her um, uh, darker side and, and, yeah, it was a bit confusing. Even though I read it, I didn't really grasp the whole reason or how it happened or... I mean, I didn't understand. I didn't think she was like Miss Martian and had the ability to change her <laughs> costume uh, just by her emotions. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, a bit convoluted there. But um, yeah, and even the Erad- Eradicator, I don't, I, you know, I haven't been following whatever he's been doing or if he's been around in other comic books. But uh, they didn't really explain where he came from or how he just suddenly appeared. Very strange. Uh-huh. Someone did explain it on the boards, and it sounded un- understandable by the way he explained it. It just, you know, reading Supergirl and knowing that she is who she is. I don't read JLA, so um, I have didn't follow the transformation there. But wouldn't she also be wearing that uniform? I mean, where do these stories take place, or or is that between one thing and another, and then by the end she's back to normal? Because if she was wearing it for some time then wouldn't she appear in other places in that same outfit? Yeah, yeah. I think this whole issue of continuity kind of between titles is kind of left by the wayside, especially when characters appear in multiple titles, as Supergirl does, appearing in her own and appearing in Justice League of America. There's never any correlation between the two for people to understand when... What ha- when the story that happens in Justice League of America's title uh, corresponds to what's happening in her own title, so that's a bit of an issue there, I guess, that uh, editors need to look at. And then with Superman, Batman, normally it's out of continuity. It's mm. stories that may have taken place or may have happened other times, and then suddenly in the annual, we're getting a current story that's continuing. So again. Uh, it either is or it isn't, and now it suddenly is, and then after this month we'll go back to the stories that are out of context and don't have any meaning. Yeah, it is It is a problem, and um, it's interesting how they do these with uh, stories like Reign of Doomsday and what's going on there. Uh, we'll move away from all our topics of discussion. The only other thing I wanted to discuss was the fact that the Superman celebration is getting closer uh, in Metropolis, Illinois. Um <laughs> the, yeah, neither of us will be there this year, but um, it's you know the the guests that have been announced this year are you know interesting. Um, we've got uh, uh, Elena Huffman from Smallville, who was Black Canary. Um, we've got uh, the, the Nuclear Man. Um, yes, my uh, Pillow, Mark Pillow, yeah. and um, who's the other one? I'm thinking. I'm, I'm forgetting. Jimmy Olsen. Oh, of uh, course, Sam Huntington. Yeah. Um, from Superman Returns, uh, will all be special guests, um, and the woman who played Dala in Superboy TV series will also be in attendance. Um, and Exciting. it's yeah, for there will be people who will be there for on behalf of the Superman homepage will be in attendance at the Superman celebration. Uh, Jamie and Rhonda Kelly will once again be doing the Clark and Lois routine, uh, filming interviews and, and events for us. Uh, at the Superman celebration, and we will be having our meet and greet. We had announced it to be at the uh, Dippin' Dots in Metropolis, but uh, that's fallen by the wayside, and the Superman celebration... Yes, because the Dippin' Dots is now covered in 12 feet of water from the flooding that's going on. <laughs> yeah, they are having a few issues at the moment in Metropolis with uh, with flooding, but um, by June it will, uh, will all be... Uh, fixed up, I'm sure. But uh, the meet and greet will be scheduled for Friday, June 10th at 10.30am inside Hardy's 
uh, the restaurant there, not too far away from the Superman uh, Museum. Uh, it's within walking distance. It's uh, located at 601 Ferry Street, and you can actually see it uh, pretty much from the Superman statue. Uh, we ate there quite a few times when we were there in 2008. Um, so 10.30 a.m. on Friday, June 10th at the at Hardy's restaurant for the Superman homepage meet and greet. Uh, we'll be announcing more details of that um, in the coming weeks. But um, the Superman celebration is on from June 9th to June 12th in Metropolis, Illinois. And uh, if you can get there, uh, I'd highly recommend it. And I'm sure oh, Scotty yeah. would too. Absolutely. Go there. It's fun. So let's uh, go move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Well, last month we asked, what do you want the new Superman costume to look like in the upcoming film? Yeah, we got a few responses for this, as I anticipated. Uh, first up, we've got an audio answer from Mikey B. So let's, uh, let's listen to what Mikey had to say about uh, his... Uh, response to this question. All right, I want a CGI suit in black. No, really. Um, the reason I suggested this question, I was so happy to hear that uh, Steve uh, made the question, the uh, big question of the month, but uh, I just wanted to hear what everyone else thought because I really don't have an answer. Um, you know, part of me says, hey, something very classic. Another part of me says, hey, maybe we got to find some other way to, to be classic yet contemporary. You know, um, but if I had to just choose, I'd say, you know, oh, let's keep the, the colors classic. And if, if you got to if they got to mess around with some of the materials a little bit or tweak something, whether it be the, the size of the S or, you know, you know the, the shorts or, or the boots or whatever, that's fine. But, but keep it classic. Keep it close so everybody can identify them and it's not something completely different on screen. So uh, that, that's my answer. But I'm really excited to hear what everyone else has to say. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. OK. Thank you, Mikey. Yay, now, Mikey. Good job. Who do we have next? Uh, Calvin Bowes wrote, um, what do I think the costume should look like? Three words, red, yellow, and blue. I want a big S on the chest and a yellow S on the back. Don't get creative, guys. Just stick to tradition. He needs to be just what we always know as Superman. No black costume, no purple. In this case, change is a very bad thing. If I want to see Superman who does not dress traditionally, I'll watch Smallville. <laughs> Thank you, Calvin. Uh, now, his daughter, Starla Bowes, writes, As a girl who uh, had my daddy read Superman stories and watched all the TV shows and movies and cartoons all my life, there's only one way Superman should dress, and that is just like he looks in the comics, but make it with a real, real big S on the front. Uh, I know I'm on only nine, but I still feel I'm an expert as what he should look like. Oh, I spent my whole life with this guy, so please don't make a little girl cry. I'm serious. Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Superman <laughs> lives. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, thank you, Starla. Uh, a good job, Starla. Uh, and I agree with you. Uh, Argent L. wrote, Hi, Steve. Scotty. I think Superman's costume is like meat and potatoes. A classic. As long as it's red and blue and there's a cape and Clark gets to wear it, I'll be happy with it. Also, if and when they reveal the costume, it would be great if someone in the crowd shouts, Say it, Jim! That's a bad outfit! Whoa! <laughs> thank you for the great podcast. It's always very, very enjoyable. Well, thank you, Argent L. Um, yeah, let's uh, wait and see whether... I don't, I'm not a big fan of the huge S 
as the uh, bows were riding above. But, um, yeah, a bit bigger than what was in Superman Returns, I think, will be okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I don't want, well, I don't want it to see as big as, say, what um, uh, is drawn uh, by um, our friend... Alex Ross. Alex Ross. <laughs> Had a mental blank there. Yeah, Alex Ross, I think... As you were bringing it up, I'm sitting here looking at a giant okay. poster above my desk and a giant statue of the Superman Forever statue by Alex Ross. Yeah. I and th- I was going to say, actually, I like the one on there, and, and you're saying that it's too big, so well, I, just I think, guess we all have our... You know. Yeah, I just think the tops of the S go under the armpits a bit too much. I think that's... A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the one on Lois and Clark. It was, uh, it was uh, yeah. a, a kind of a piece that went on the front... It was it was raised a little bit, mm-hmm. not like the Superman Returns one, but more like a cloth. Yeah. And it was big enough. I like the size of it. I also like the cape coming over the shoulders a little bit and kind of looking regal. Yep. Uh, well, let's go on to David Landon, who writes, Hello, Stephen Scotty. Thank you for all the hard work you put into the site and the podcast. I'm sure the Superman costume we see in the movie won't be a radical departure from what we're used to. Superhero films of the last decade have tended to stick close to their characters' familiar costume designs, and that approach has been successful. I really, I really don't see a Tim Burton disco Superman costume in our future. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's hope you're right, David. Yes, indeed. Okay. And our new... Uh, our new- big question uh is uh what did you think of the smallville series finale which of course doesn't air until the 13th of may yeah that's right well this uh our next podcast won't air until after the series finale which is why we're asking this question so that we can use your responses in that next podcast so once you've seen the series finale on may 13th head over to the superman homepage and the, the radio kale webpage and send in your answer to this new big question and let us know what you thought of the Smallville series finale once it's aired. Now, you can send in an audio answer, as Mikey B did, or you can email us your response, and Scotty and I will read out all the responses in the next Radio KAL podcast. Superman must atone for his actions. (gasps) Dr. Electron! I'm not. No. Please. Mercy. I I beg of you. I won't hurt you. Twice, twice now has the nefarious Dr. Electron engaged in advanced fisticuffs with the Atomic Skull. And twice has our hero been bested and beaten to an emulsified pulp. Maggie struggles to adjust. Captain Sawyer, it's good to seize you. (laughs) Holy cripes. Lois calls in help. I need some help. <gasps> Lois Lane, the celebrity, is coming to her little sister for help. And Clark reveals the bad news. What is it this time? Alien invasion? Doomsday. You've got to call Diana, Bruce, John, everyone. This is serious. Say your goodbyes in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 76, on April 27, 2011, only at PendantAudio.com. Cal and Kara are on the trail of an old enemy. Is it the same signal? Looks like it is. Does it say the same thing? And back in Metropolis... Admit it, you needed some fresh air. Nope, seeing as I don't need to breathe. Metallo's got problems of his own. Who, who are you? Somebody you shouldn't have messed with. 
Don't Miss Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 48, coming April 27th at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf. Now Michael Bailey returns once more with a trade paperback off his bookshelf to review for us. So let's hand over to Michael now and see what he has for us. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the segment here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to my bookcase deep in the bowels of the Fortress of Bailey Tude, pick out a Superman trade hardcover novel, or, as in the case of this week, piece of reference material, and give you the 411 about it, because I like talking with the hip lingo which is not hip at all. Anyways, I'm going to move on from that. This week, or this month, I guess I should say, since this is not a weekly feature, it is a monthly feature, Mike, remember that, I am presenting something I hope I haven't presented before. I'm getting to the point with this um, with this feature that I, I'm starting to forget what books I've covered, because I've been doing it for so long, and I've covered so many books, and I never bothered to write down which books I cover, so yeah, it's probably a bad thing. So if if I've presented this one before, I do apologize, but this one kind of caught my eye today as I was scanning the bookcase, um, or in this case, uh, one of the little shelves on the desk I have here in the temporary fortress, uh, and decided to pull out Superman the Man of Steel source book. This is from 1992 and was put out by Mayfair Games. And for those of you unaware, back in 1984, Mayfair Games, or at least a company called Mayfair Games, put out a DC Comics role-playing game that was, from all accounts, overly complicated and unnecessarily hard, especially with the way the weapons and tactics and stuff worked. Uh, apparently there were some problems with how the role-playing engine worked. And since I don't do all that much with role-playing games, I really can't speak to that. I'm just going on what people who do know about role-playing games have told me. And eventually, around 1990, they retooled the game, uh, made it a little easier, released it in a nice little box, uh, even though the first box was awesome because it had Perez artwork and it had the Brainiac skull ship on it. Uh, the second one was uh, Superman and Batman, very Jose Luis Garcia Lopez uh, e artwork, and they released uh, a couple years later in 1992 another Superman source book. Now they had put out a source book in 1987 called the Superman source book, and has a beautiful John Byrne cover on it with him against the American flag, and this mostly covered the Earth One and Earth Two pre-crisis Superman, uh, so to speak. Superman the Man of Steel source book, which was written by Roger Stern, presented role players and people who just like to role players, gamers, because I feel really stupid on that one. I'm sorry. Uh, for two seconds there, I sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about, but I do, I promise. Gamers were given the new Superman, the post crisis on infinite Earths Superman, though I do like the idea 
that another Superman podcaster, J. David Weeder, put forward that the post-Infinite Crisis era could be called the New Earth Superman, so that I still get to retain that post-Crisis Superman, because it's such a handy way of describing the character. Anyways, Roger Stern wrote out a source book for people wanting the more modern or then-modern take on Superman, and it is chock-full of information. Uh, you know, you have your usual game stats, you know, dexterity, strength, body, initiative, will, mind, uh, aura, spirit, etc. But you also get a lot of information. And that is the main reason that I am covering this book this, this month and recommending it to you now. Because there are things in this book that you won't read in any other reference material regarding the post-crisis Superman. From this book, I learned that the post-crisis Superman, the post-crisis Clark Kent, actually left high school early and got an early graduation somehow before he started walking the earth like Kane from Kung Fu. Didn't know that before. Was fascinated because one of the reference sources for this book is something called Superman, The New History, A Guide, Unpublished, that was written by John L. Byrne. Uh, apparently it's a collection of notes and such. And I am really fascinated to track down a copy of that. I, I, I know it's going to be completely impossible to do, but I would love to see you know, all of John Byrne's notes and his basically series Bible for Superman, if that is what it is. Uh, another great thing about this source book is that at the end of every section you get footnotes that actually point you to specific issues and stories where the events of what the Roger Stern was describing took place. That's actually kind of neat because it gives you a go-to point, and it actually uses the comics as source material. And it's very rare to see such a thing in a piece of reference material that, that you know, it's so painstakingly annotated of where it all comes from. But you get to learn all about Superman, you get to learn about Metropolis, you get to learn the, you know, the boroughs of Metropolis, which are Park Ridge, Baker Line, St. Martin's Island, Hell's Gate, Queensland Park, and New Troy. And I used to have those memorized, but now I have to look at them. You learn about all about Cadmus, the Fortress of Solitude, Superman's friends, including Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Cat Grant, Perry White, his enemies, Lex Luthor, uh, Brainiac, uh, Blaze is in here, as is Bloodsport, and Siphon, and Dreadnought, excuse me, the Circle is in here for, you know, all of the 30 seconds it was around. And then you have the uh, fellow heroes like Gangbuster and the Thorn. So not only is it an excellent piece of source material for this era, it is also kind of a time capsule of Superman as he was right before Doomsday. Uh, I found this copy in Titans Games and Comics back in 1996. I bought a nicer version off of eBay, and it's pretty much available there. You can track down a copy of this book rather easy. And I really recommend you do, uh, not only because of the gorgeous Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding cover of Superman flying along holding a flag with a bunch of uh, stealth fighters flying uh, behind him, but it's just an awesome artifact to have as far as being a Superman fan, specifically if you are a fan of the post-crisis era. 
Speaking of an era, I do co-host a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast with Jeffrey Taylor. Every week, Jeff and I take a look at a month in the life of the post-crisis Superman. Currently, we are up to Panic in the Sky in very early 1992, which means Doomsday is right around the corner. And you can find that right here at the Superman homepage every Thursday-ish. And now, back to Steve and Scott. Thank you, Michael. Now, remember, if you do have a trade paperback that you would like Michael to review, you can send him an email via michael at supermanhomepage.com, and I'm sure Michael will add that to his to-do list for a future Bailey's Bookshelf segment. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret soundbite time. Last month's sound came from the Smallville Season 10 episode, Scion. The following people guessed it correctly. Fred Walsh, Sarita Luna, Brendan Sefinski, David Abraham, Ishmael Perez, Argent L, and Pedro Rabadan. Congratulations, guys. Yes, well done. Now, uh, let's see if those same people and more can guess which, which episode of Smallville this sound comes from. She would have betrayed us all. Well, if you think you can guess which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KL podcast. And I'm not sure what we'll do after that with Smallville ending. We've, uh, we, I don't know what we'll do with the super secret soundbite. We may have to uh, either use past Smallville episodes and keep going with that or uh, maybe start using Young Justice mm, that would be cool yeah so uh, keep uh, stay tuned uh, to see what happens with the super secret soundbite in future Radio Kale podcasts Superman song time what do we have this month Scotty we have Superman Tonight from a very little-known band uh, called Bon Jovi <laughs> and uh, from their album The Circle. Yes. Now, if you want to check out Bon Jovi, if you've never heard of them, uh, they're at www.bonjovi.com. Uh, but for now, let's take a listen to their song Superman Tonight. Something about you I wanna rescue I don't even know you So what does that mean? Maybe I'm cynical Painfully logical The tragic and beautiful That's good enough for me Looking for a hero, but it's just my old tattoo. Tonight I swear I'd sell my soul to be a hero for.
have it uh, that's the wow i see great things in their future yeah they're, i think they're kind they, of a good up-and-coming band yeah definitely i think they're uh, they're going places mm. uh now that's the show for another month now remember you can suggest topics for scotty and i to discuss 
if there's a topic you'd, you think that we didn't uh, touch on this podcast, uh, send a suggestion to us. Um, there are, you can suggest a song. Maybe there's a song from a, a band that you think is an up-and-coming band that you would like to hear a song from. Uh, maybe there's a trade paperback you would like to suggest for Michael Bailey to review. Or maybe there's a big question you'd like us to pose to the fandom to see what they think of a certain topic. All those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, and we'll endeavour to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that's the show for another month. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And remember, everyone, look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. Superman homepage.com.